But at the end of the day, right, like I, I felt like at times, maybe that was a little bit of marketing speak to myself, my internal psyche. Um, and, and is it really that we're building local communities or is it that we are just a marketing service that's helping someone sell the next F-150, right, for the car dealership that we're helping to manage? Hey everyone, welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My guest today, Gung Wong, is the CEO and co-founder of Civic Champs. Civic Champs is a software platform that helps nonprofit organizations better organize and manage the volunteers that come help serve their cause. This is Gung's third commercial venture that he has developed. Before that, he was a consultant at McKinsey. And in this conversation, we not only talk about the product development journey for the company, but also the lessons that Gung has taken from his past successes. Both of his previous companies have been acquired. And we talk a little bit about the motivations of a third-time entrepreneur. I found this super valuable. I am confident that you will as well. Here is Gung Wong. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. So Gung, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah, Aaron, it's uh, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, excited to be on here. So I want to start off for folks. You've done uh, started a multitude of different businesses, and I'm really excited to see how all that stuff kind of connects. Lessons learned, how you know different business successes compound on one another. But before we can talk about the past, we need to set up the present for folks. What is Civic Champs in its kind of current formation? And given that it is a relatively new business and there's building and there's kind of a, a, a vision and a, and a world that you're building to sell to your co-founders, your employees, your partners, what are you aiming towards in the future with the company? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. So Civic Champs, we're a, a B Corp, a benefit corporation. And basically in our current iteration, we help nonprofit organizations better engage, track, and manage their volunteers. And so if you can imagine your existing uh, volunteer process, there's lots of points of friction, right, between signing up for something to showing up for that day and tracking your time and all of that. Our, our goal is to make that all super seamless and easy for both the volunteer and nonprofit, sort of like, a, uh, uh, like what Starbucks and their you know, consumer app has done for ordering coffee, if you will. Gotcha. And, and where did the, um, the inspiration or the catalyst for this come from? Because it, it makes sense that this would be a pain point. It makes sense that it would be something that, like you said, has a lot of kind of friction points. But where were you witnessing it, experiencing it, hearing about it that led you to realize, hey, you know, commercial venture number three ought to be aimed at this problem? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. So I... Um, had this idea uh, about two years ago, and, and it was a little different at the time. And I was helping to put together the corporate social responsibility program at another tech startup uh, called Ardeo Education. And, you know, we were putting together, you know, these days of service. And through that experience is where I sort of was reminded of the points of friction, right? You reach out to a nonprofit organization. Sometimes they give it back to you. Sometimes they don't. And you're playing this phone tag of, you know, I have 30 employees. They only have 15 slots, right? Oh, can you do Tuesday? No, I can do Wednesday, right? And then it's sort of uh, this uh, logistical uh, puzzle piece 
that you know you have to sort of jam together. And so at the time, the original thought was, oh, I wonder if we can make it easy for people to do good, right? To, to volunteer. And so I happened to just uh, discovered Pokemon Go. I'm a late bloomer on, on that end, but someone recommended and, and, and I said, oh, I'll try it out. And I thought, you know, one of the things that's really neat about Pokemon is it actually encourages physical uh, activity, right? You walk around to collect these things. And actually that's, that's the thing I enjoyed the most about that game was like, you can actually uh, do that. And I thought, why, why couldn't you create a game that allowed you to do good in small sort of minute by minute increments, right? So I can pick up the phone and play Clash of Clans, right? Uh, Candy Crush, but I can't really do something that felt good or meaningful, right? These are sort of guilty pleasures, if you will. And so that was the original idea. And we can, you know, talk more about what that might look like. But as part of it, I thought, you know, let me understand this market better, right? Um, let me talk to people that actually volunteer, right? Is this interesting? Let me talk to the nonprofit executive directors, volunteer managers who actually interact and manage these volunteers. How do you recruit them? How do you engage them? How do you keep them coming back? Like, what are the things that I should learn and know before I embark on this journey to create a video game that, that sort of uh, is, is for volunteers? And that's when, you know, it really dawned on me that, maybe what I should do is uh, create a solution for them, right? Because as I learn more about the, the paper sign-in sheets that we, you and I, as you know, volunteers never think about, right? But like the reason those sheets exist is that it's a way to track our time and, you know, and in efforts, right? That people can then report back out to their board or to foundations and funders. Uh, so that means someone has to manually type it up, right? And I thought, huh, maybe we can take some of the concepts from this mobile game we have and apply it to solve these what you know much more back office oriented problems uh, but make them essentially automated if you will right and so that's sort of how we landed uh, where we are today and so to, just to hear that maybe said a different way what sounds like is something in the in the initial stages a very kind of engagement oriented, almost kind of, I think about through the lens of enterprise, like, you know, consumer facing and really almost making a pivot towards a software solution, more of a B2B, I know it's, you know, the nonprofit, but still like organization to organization being able to run their internal processes more right. effectively. Right, right. Yeah. Going from B2C to B2B essentially. And, and, um, and, and you were asking the question, you know, what is the vision for the future to some extent? So, We've never forgotten that uh, that part of the history of the company, and so while uh, you know we are very focused on helping the nonprofit organizations, you know as we create sort of what I'll call our core features and, and flush them out, we we are starting now think about how do we build into that engagement piece too, right? Because ultimately, if I can deepen your engagement. Uh, between your volunteers and your nonprofit organizations and make them true champions, if you will, that's a big benefit to the nonprofit, right? And, 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 and if that's our North Star, you know, that's still a direction that we want to go towards to make sure that, you know, we're not just helping you with their back office stuff, but now truly finding opportunities for you to build that digital community and to really engage people so that they keep coming back you know, all the barriers to entry are, are super low, right? And, and people can um, not just be volunteers, but maybe, you know, shift to becoming also donors and advocates 
right? People that are signing petitions on your behalf, things like that. And this is a kind of very well-worn framework. If we, if we maintain the B2B SaaS kind of moniker for a solution like this, the idea of landing and expanding or kind of an initial stage, there's a very kind of apparent, tangible, legible pain point that a multitude of the types of entities that you'd be selling into feel. The paperwork associated with these volunteers, the administrative burden, yes, they're volunteers, they're not getting compensated for the time in in dollars, but there is still a cost to the organization in terms of their maintenance. And if the repetitive tasks, if the data entry type of tasks that a software might even just be better at, uh, let alone not get slogged down and and bored by, can be handled by this type of solution, you are you know, they have some sort of way of calculating the value of that, bringing you mm-hmm. into their world. And then simply by being proximate, simply by, you know, setting some different processes to understand the other data inputs that they have, understand their other pain points, spend more time with them because they are your clients now, you have the ability to build out that much more robust suite of offerings and capabilities. Right, right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of, one of the fun stats I... I you know, we, 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 we point to, to, to have some faith in that strategy is we have a 93 or 94% retention rate uh, when it comes to app downloads, right? And so for every 100 volunteers that download Civic Champs, only, you know, six or seven of them are going to uninstall it over the whole, you know, the whole past two years, right? And these include, you know, one-time volunteers, right? And, 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 and certainly your, your regulars too. But we think there's something there where people, even though today, to be honest, like the app is very simple and there's not a lot you can do, right? Outside of, you know, checking in and, and maybe seeing your volunteer schedule, right? But if, if just that much can keep people engaged enough to keep it on their phone, we think that there's a big opportunity there for us to do more. And I would almost, you know, I'm not a product designer, so so take everything here with a grain of salt. But there is also something to the simplicity of an app, knowing this is an app for doing good. This is an app for volunteering or however narrowly that's defined. I remember there's an anecdote of like the early days of Google and this guy that would like email them every time they added a word to their homepage. Because it's just like Google search and then maybe like three, you know, subdomains of something like that. And, and they, you know, slowly built themselves out because they're a mega, mega corporation. But there is something, you know, I don't, I, obviously tons of people don't agree with this take, but like the super app phenomenon of Instagram turning into everything, Facebook mm-hmm. turning into everything, them all copying every single other feature and the navigability of something. I would imagine that if, you know, I can compartmentalize my volunteering, my, my, my social good that I'm doing to a very specific little bit of real estate on my device, that's a pretty powerful corner on which to sit. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I tend to agree with you, right? I think, and then actually, you, you know, you, we, we make fun of Facebook, but in reality, they carved out Messenger, right, for for that same reason, I think. Yep. And 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 why you see some of these, you know, new social media apps coming to the forefront is, you know, there is a little bit of a niche, right, that hasn't been hasn't been taken, and and people are like, oh yeah, well, if I just want to chat with somebody, you know, here's I'm gonna do that on Clubhouse or whatever it is. Exactly, exactly. So I want to kind of unpack some of the lessons that you're applying, because as we alluded to earlier in the the discussion, this is not your first commercial endeavor. Two previous companies, Rent Jungle, Rent Jungle you sold back in 2014, and Community Elf you sold in 2017. 
by all accounts, you know, anytime a company gets acquired, it's usually associated with a win to varying degrees and scales depend on, you know, the, the magnitude of that sale. But can you maybe take us back a little bit, just tell people a little bit about uh, Rent Jungle first, what that did and what you kind of took from that specific experience that you translated into your next two companies? Yeah. So Rent Jungle was a, a apartment search engine. I co-founded it with uh, John Pastor, and, who is a, a McKinsey colleague of mine at the time. He was a little bit more senior uh, than I was. At, right, He was an engagement manager when he had left, and I was a, uh, a business analyst. And uh, the idea was there was still, you know, while there were maybe aggregators out there already, there is no true search engine. And that still remains to be true uh, within the rental space, right? So nothing that acts like Google, you know, is actively finding rental listings from tens of thousands of websites and bring it all into one place so that you have the sort of greatest density and greatest um, number of listing uh, on any one website. And so that was the vision. And we thought that there was value to that, right? By having more selection as a as a user, you should be able to find the rental property that is most ideal for you, right? So, or, or that was our thesis. You know, I would say uh, the a couple of things that that continue from that, right? So, we're very SEO focused uh, for that company. PPC ads are near impossible in that space if if you're a search engine, uh, because apartments are valuable. And so if you're an owner, you can, you're probably willing to pay 20, 30 bucks per lead because you can convert that to a, you know, thousand dollar monthly uh, revenue stream. Whereas uh, we could not. Right. And so uh, SEO was sort of the name of the game. And, and we knew that by having so much content uh, we could win on long tail search. And that's sort of where, uh, where we did do quite well. And so how that translated to community elf was, uh, was two things. One is we, we happened to stumble into this opportunity around social media uh, management uh, for, for these apartment complexes and later, you know, really any, any business. Um, we white labeled quite a bit for agencies. But part of what made us unique is we said, could we use the Ren Jungle technology to actually surface interesting content, right? And so instead of finding the best apartment rental for you, we're finding the best content that you can reshare um, on your social media profiles because you're just not going to have enough original content typically to have a robust sort of presence, but resharing can be a big part of that. And so that company still exists. That one's now called Up Content and was spent then out of uh, Community Elf, which was the second company we had. And, and today, right, even as we think about uh, marketing and uh, social, right, certainly those lessons are, are, are things that I still remember. And there's a, a trope, and it sounds like given the fact that you referenced kind of marketing, both in the, the very founding of company two, but as one of the key elements of, of uh, company one is this trope of first time founders talk about product and second time founders talk about distribution because they recognize even if you build something good, it still needs to get into the actual hands of be it the consumer or the company that might be buying it. It sounds like that rings pretty true to you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we were probably a little bit more, I mean, I think the the big benefit, right, and sort of Rent Jungle, even at the time was John is this, uh, my co-founder is this sort of amazing unicorn of, of, a, of a co-founder where he was both technical, right, being the first uh, 
MBA hire at, at, at Google for an internship. And, but also, you know, went to, you know, was at McKinsey and went to Harvard Business School and all these other things where I think we, we, we did sort of build product first. There's, you know, as, as you say, but, but, you know, was, we're very focused still on, you know, how do we make money from this to make sure that we're sustainable and we're super capital efficient, I would say, um, as, as a company. Gotcha. And so bring that back to civic champs. The the article that surfaced, I think it was in the, the Post-Gazette, I apologize if it, it was a mm-hmm. different publication, but something to the effect of, uh, you, you said that you wanted your third startup to have a social mission, to have a, a kind of social impact in addition to just being a successful company unto itself. Can you talk a little bit about the and I, and this is a guess if if I'm off base correct me but the, the you know the space with which to make that type of choice optimizing for something like that given the past successes and how that allows you you know if it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the self actualization pursuit giving you those types of options yeah i mean they're definitely related and and i think uh, to your point there's uh there's there's certainly a, a certain amount of privilege Right, that that's sort of baked in, where you could say, I I can I want, but I can pursue something like this, and 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 not have it, you know, a, a potential failure be sort of life defining, so to speak. Right, you know, I, I think the the prior startups were were awesome and 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 great experience, and and we had good outcomes. But yeah, as as I sort of reflected on, you know, what is it that I want to do next, and and especially, I think Community Elf was a, was an awesome business, but and we talked about uh, from a mission standpoint, right? Our, you know, we're building local communities, right? And and that's certainly to be applauded. But at the end of the day, right? Like I, I felt like at times maybe that was a little bit of marketing speak to myself, my internal psyche. Um, and and is it really that we're building local communities, or is it that we are? just a marketing service that's helping someone sell the next F-150, right? For the car dealership that we're helping to manage, right? Is that, is that, is that really what we're doing? And so I think part of me thought, you know, there's, there's so many things that you can do, you know, sort of like, why, why not do something that can make the world a better place while you're at it too? And so that's certainly part of it. And, and, and admittedly, I think entrepreneurship can be, a rough ride, <laughs> as you know, and in those uh, darker moments, if you will, um, having a mission and a purpose that you really believe in goes a long ways, right? In terms of giving you the uh, strength to persevere and, and and sort of you know grind through it. And if you don't have that, it can it can it just it's just a little tougher, right? Yeah. And it's just something, you know, as, as someone who's founded their first company and, you know, even as I read kind of your back catalog, the, the time in McKinsey, that's a place where ambitious people tend to end up. There's no kind of like slackers or, you know, whatever shrug their shoulders type of folks who who make it in that type of environment for multiple years. And then to have founded multiple companies speaks to a general kind of 
not just grit, but also ambition or kind of fire stoking something. And it's just, it's, it's something that's very curious to me because I can at times relate more to like the backs against the wall. Maybe it feels life defining, even, even if it isn't necessarily that versus something that like, like I alluded to is, is a little bit more self-actualized, a little bit more um, just, you know, as, as you're further established, I'm curious if you've reflected on how that changes. Cause I think that, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting perch from which to sit. Yeah. I mean, certainly I, I think it's true. You know, if I take a step back, if I look at folks at different parts of their career, do they tend to be more sort of mentorship driven and, and sort of uh, looking for self-actualization and thinking about legacy, sort of the, the further along they are, uh, you know, in their careers. I think that's totally true, right? And I think having a family uh, goes into some of that too, right? Like I think having, you know, uh, maybe it's coincidental, right? But, you know, Civic Champs, the first two companies were all before I was, I had any children, right? And then, and then now uh, Civic Champs came after I had my first and, and it was um, founded more or less with the birth of my second son. So it's like my, you know, I had, I had twins, I guess, but I think there's something there, right? As 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 a uh, as a parent, um, and as you sort of progress in your career, you you do start to think about like, oh well, you know, like I know I can be somewhat you know successful. Um, there's a high likelihood, right? I, I've seen it, and I've done it, you know, several times now. And so you start to think about like, well, what what does that success mean? And and, and am I excited about that success, right? And I and I remember thinking about that even. Uh, towards the end at Community Elf, right, where it's like, okay, people always ask you, what is, what is, what does it look like five years out from now, right? Are you excited about that future? Do you want to build that company? And so for me, this time, I, I just want to make sure that whatever I was doing made those answers be yes, and and sort of like easily be yes, and. And if you think about how we staff and, and, and we, you know, I've recruited, right. So our, our CTO, his name is Mike was my college roommate for four years. Right. Uh, uh, he's the godfather of my children. Right. And so even there, it's like, you can build in enjoyment to this journey. If you're, if you're sort of, you know, uh, purposeful about it. Right. And, and I think that's important and, and sort of, you know, if you can, why not? Right on. So I want to get I want to get really into that here in the back nine, the the kind of purposeful design that you've brought, given that this isn't your first rodeo. So we're going to go kind of item by item here. Uh, the first is the fact that, um, and I believe that I, I interpret this correctly, you guys were already a fully remote team before COVID. And so you didn't see too much of a fluctuation in the day to day once that um, everyone started working from home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say we were fully remote, but we we always had uh, remote m- members of the team uh, from the get go. And, you know, wh- whether that was a, you know, an offshore developer in the Ukraine, right, to uh, maybe a salesperson based in a different city. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that was um, quite helpful, right, in that transition in that it didn't feel too much, you know, we were already doing sort of virtual uh, team meetings, Right. And, and we had, you know, and, and even, even for myself, right. And um, in one of our other co-founders, you know, we were traveling a lot. Right. And, and so, you know, half the time I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, in an office. Right. And so we had to dial in and uh, or, or, or do like a virtual meeting anyway. Um, and so uh, that certainly made the transition easy for sure. And so since, you know, 
the, the folks coming from a work environment where it was new are like, oh my gosh, new paradigm. We have to reconsider everything, short commercial real estate, what have you. But to me, the, the kind of core insight that businesses large and small can glean is that what they should do is open the doors to talent wherever it may be. If you have that mindset, like you said, that the Ukrainian developer can get the job done at a very fair price, or the salesperson located wherever it is that they may be, if they're a good cold emailer and, and are maybe willing to get on a plane or two, can kind of get those transactions completed, that's that's a huge arbitrage versus, hey, everyone here needs to be located in San Francisco or New York or one of these borderline unlivable places for a majority of people cost-wise. So talk a little bit just about how that mentality applies to talent recruitment, retention, what have you. Yeah. So we have a lot of benefits when it comes to recruiting in that we are a social enterprise. And um, I, I, you know, going into it, I, I sort of figured that would be the case. Um, and it's translated to be even better than expected, right? And, and, and being in the Midwest, right? I think, you know, people talk about the lower cost of uh, sort of talent in the Midwest, right? And, and I think that's true, you know, the, but the other thought I've had is, or, but, but, you know, but relatively, you know, maybe a, a more constrained talent pool, if you will, right? In, in terms of uh, whether that's engineers or, you know, sort of senior executives um, that you can recruit to your team. I think, you know, that's probably, you know, there's probably some truth and fairness to that. But on the other hand, especially through COVID and, and even when we first started, if you want the talent, you can you can sort of get the talent if you're willing to pay market rate, right? And, and so if you said like, hey, I want a, I, I want the engineer from Silicon Valley, you can for sure hire them. Right. And they and most of folks are actually happy to be remote or or you know quasi-remote in those situations, right? And you just have to pay the commiserate salary <laughs> to, to make it to make it work. And so, you know, so for me, that's you know, as we think about talent is you know, who, who do we need, how, how much, you know, can we afford? And, 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 you know, we were always trying to, you know, get, get to the arbitrage, so to speak. But, you know, my, my, my biggest reaction is like, you can, yeah, if you want talent, you can, you can find and recruit them as long as you're willing to pay, right? And you don't have to be in New York or in SF. You just don't, you won't get the lower cost of, you know, uh, of talent, right? But that's okay, right? Right on. So another part of it, you've talked about the social mission a couple of times. Can you just give a basic definition of what a B Corp is? And then a little bit more color around just if that does really offer any sort of constraints into what you're doing or how that influences your business, your B2B SaaS versus any other. Sure. So, so a benefit corporation is a for-profit, but that has sort of a a stated social mission that is built into its incorporation and bylaws. A couple differences, right? You need to have a annual report, typically, depending on the state, right? But, but most will require you to put out a sort of social benefit report to talk about specifically, you know, how did you do last year on your social mission, right? And then two, you need to have a director on your board who is uh, your benefits director, right? And their role is to make sure that uh, the company doesn't take its eye off the ball relative to sort of, you know, its uh, 
sort of profit-seeking motives, right? Rel you know, compared to its social mission. And so we thought this was important to build in from the get-go because we did want to make sure that Civic Champs always had that strong social mission and that we were sort of obligated to continue to have that mission, right? You know, sort of built into the very charter of the company. I think constraint-wise, I would not, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's a um, explicit constraint. The only sort of soft constraint is that benefit corporations are still relatively new. And so investors sometimes have some questions, right? I think they're getting more and more educated around it. And, and so, you know, you might get a little bit of pushback or questioning around like, oh, what, what does that mean? Does that impact how my investments will, you know, will, will, will do, right? And it kind of sounds like you alluded to the community elf experience. Like maybe that was just some degree, a story I was telling myself was the, the line you used. It basically sounds like you kind of taken that and said, okay, let's try to kind of push that down and embed that one layer deeper into the DNA of the organization, in addition to just the, the market you're choosing to serve and the product would have you. But kind of with that choice, you're just pushing it a little bit further into kind of the core identity of the company. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you know, I'll, I'll give a, you know, we actually also have a 501c3 that we launched uh, last year. That's, you know, our, our, our foundation, if you will. And again, sort of to even further <laughs> that social mission and, and, you know, with COVID as an example, right, we launched uh, this program called Helping Hands, where we actually uh, connected volunteers directly with, you know, neighbors in need. And we ran that program uh, sort of pro bono, uh, almost like a uh, nonprofit agency, right? And so, you know, that's just a part of, you know, what, you know, and, and I think we were able to make that decision because we said, hey, let's, let's, you know, COVID's terrible, but let's come back to our core mission, right? Which is how do we help? And so let's think about how do we help in this situation? And so I think it is, it is baked in and it's actually very helpful from a sort of guiding principle, you know, North Star kind of concept as well, right? Gotcha. The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. And then a, another part of the designing of Civic Champs arena of questions is you have had these two past sales of companies. And I know from other, you know, founders that I talk to, or just, you know, it's, as we do different research on different firms, a successful acquisition or two is a great data point that investors look for when they are potentially funding a company. And so being able to point to those two acquisitions, but at the same time, anytime you take any sort of outside capital, not any most forms of outside capital, institutional outside capital, there is some form of a timeline where that institution, that investor is looking for a moment of liquidity. So are you also building Civic Champs with an eventual sale in mind? How does that influence your thoughts as you're building a company like this? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I feel like I never have a great answer to it. I would say... A, we, we do not build the company with an exit in mind. I would love for nothing else, right, than, than to have the company be incredibly successful. And this is, you know, the next 10 years or more of, you know, of, of, of my life and journey, if you, 
and, and, and we can build something that's truly transformational for, for the nonprofit sector, right? That helps an incredible number of, of agencies, helps uh, lots of people. And, and, you know, we can, we can lift volunteerism up, right, in, 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 in various communities, right, that, you know, maybe the rates before were 40%, but now, you know, 60, 70% of people are volunteering. Like, that would be awesome. That would be absolutely amazing. I would say, though, uh, but to be honest, right, if, if someone came with an acquisition offer, right, we would absolutely consider it, right? Like, there are so many stakeholders, right? You know, I mentioned my co-founders. I mentioned, you know, our employees that, you know, sometimes, some, you know, these things can be life-changing and, 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 you know, for our shareholders who have put faith in us and have invested in this idea, right, to, you know, the, uh, in many ways, the, the biggest thank you, right, you can provide to them is, is to provide a return, right, to say, hey, thank you for believing in us, we made it work together, and, and here is a, here's a thank you note, right, in the form of, you know, so, uh, a, a return. And so, you know, we, we, we'll just have to sort of take it when we get there. Of course, we would consider what would happen post-acquisition. I think that would be a very important part of uh, how we would think about something like this is, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, a larger organization that says, hey, I, I want you all to actually stay on. I want you to continue to build. I And, and we're going to just turbocharge and give you the resources you really need. Like, you know, that that's not a bad outcome, right? If, and if, 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 the, if the mission and the impact is truly what we care about. Right on. My last question is kind of in that arena of funding and the investors that you've engaged with. So it's a ton of the 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 seed stage, the um, kind of early accelerator incubator type of firms, which obviously less in person, uh, you know, over the last 18, 12 months or so, but still a, a kind of you know, breeding ground of some of the most effective startups that, that that come through. So can you just talk, it's not uncommon to talk to a startup and they've been through, you know, maybe one incubator, but I look at the list here, Elevate Ventures in Indiana, Innovation Works here in Pittsburgh, Techstars Iowa, Mass Challenge. You've really leaned into the accelerator incubator system and framework. So can you just talk a little bit about that choice, that kind of design principle? So, so there's, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, a little bit more honest, perhaps, than uh, than I could be otherwise. But I would say, you know, part of that, you know, on the personal level, was we just wanted to do those things. We thought they would be fun, and 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 great experiences to have, right? If you think about so much as civic champs, you know, from a sort of purposely designed, right? you know, who we work with, what we do, how that experience is going to be, right? You know, we, we want to make this a uh, enjoyable journey. And those things uh, all seem very enjoyable at the time. And they, and they turned out they are, right? They're, they're incredible programs. Um, and uh, maybe a little FOMO, right? I, I, I didn't get to do them when, you know, with uh, Rent Jungle or, or Community Elf. And so that's, that was on the personal side of it, right? The uh, more business-oriented piece of it is, I think they were a little bit of a success, sort of breed success, right, if you will. And so very early on, we somehow, I don't know, sort of got selected for TechCrunch, uh, uh, tech startup battlefield, right? 
and and we pitch on stage at uh, uh, TechCrunch Disrupt in 2019. And, and we had our first unpaid pilot in May of that year, which means when we submitted the right application, we had no paying customers. We were, you know, this like tiny team and somehow they picked us. And, and so we, we thought, hey, you know, may, maybe we could try some other of these uh, opportunities and we'll have some success. And we did. And so, you know, with Mass Challenge, we ended up winning their gold award which gave us, you know, $50,000 for non-dilutive uprise in Pittsburgh, right? We, we won $60,000 from that. And, and so even from a, 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 a fundraising <laughs> standpoint, right? Like not only were these, you know, incredibly helpful programs, to, you know, with lots of mentors and, and, and coaching and whatnot, you know, we got lots of great press out of them and, you know, oftentimes we end up with a decent sized check that extended our runway and allowed us to invest in the company. And so I think, you know, starting with sort of the personal interests and then sort of like, oh, shoot, we, we are, we can do pretty well in these, right? And it sort of snowballed and we've ended up doing just a, you know, a, a large number of these programs. Right on. Well, I, I do appreciate your candor in, uh, in breaking that down for me. And I do appreciate the mission that you guys have and the impact that you're aiming for. I think that there's a lot about, at least from what I've heard of, of, of Civic Champs here today, that a lot of entrepreneurs will want to model and want to also, you know, people that aren't necessarily the founders want to be a part of a company like that with that mission orientation um, and that culture towards having some fun along the way. So before we ask our standard last two questions going, I want to make sure that if there's anything else you're hoping to share today uh, that I gave you a chance to. Um. No, no, I think I think uh, the, the last few questions are probably what I would I'll take advantage of and, 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 and ask for some help. Right on. Uh, well, if people want to follow along, learn more about you, Civic Champs, all the stuff you're building, what are the digital coordinates where we should be pointing people? Yeah, so uh, civicchamps.com is our website. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, c- come check us out if you know of nonprofits that uh, could use some support with their volunteer management. Uh, please send them our way. Um, I'll even share my, my my personal email. It's gung, G-E-N-G, at civicchamps.com. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always uh, curious to meet new people, so uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, we are uh, certainly hiring for account executives and, uh, you know, engineers. So if uh, any of that interests you, let us know. Right on. And download the app. Don't, uh, don't, uh, delete it once you download it. That's right. That's right. Keep our, keep our numbers <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, perfect. We're going to link that in the show notes for this episode. You can find it in the podcast app or at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast for every single episode of the show. But before I let you go, Gung, I want to give you one final time on the mic to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. Well, it is uh, National Volunteering Month. And next week is National Volunteering Week. And so whether that's through Civic Champs or otherwise, you know, just my, my challenge is, you know, get out there, go help your community. There's lots of ways to do it from, you know, picking up the trash uh, in, in your neighborhood park to signing up for a habitat build uh, or going down to the food pantry, right? Our communities are still recovering. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, if, if you can, there's going to be some uh, very thankful people on the other end of it. Right on. That is a beautiful note to wrap up on. Very mission aligned. And uh, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to be on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Aaron.
We just went deep with Gung Wong. Hope out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. If you want to hear more about Community Elf, then check out one of our OG episodes that I've linked in the show notes with Scott Rogerson all the way back in episode 11 when I was a very raw, rough podcaster. If you don't want to hear way worse audio quality and way worse interviewing by me, then you can check out any of our recent episodes both on the podcast platform of your choice and also over on YouTube, where we've recently crossed more than 3,000 subscribers. It is growing exceptionally fast, and we are going even deeper into the world of business with our thrice weekly show, The Piper Rundown, that I host with Hannah, and our weekly vlog that drops every Thursday afternoon. Make sure you're subscribed here. Make sure you're subscribed there. I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.